Almighty and gracious God, Lord, I ask that you help us to be ready. You help us prepare our hearts and minds for your return, a day that will be full of celebration, a day that will be full of great joy. But until that day, Lord, sustain us while we wait. Give us your strength, your power, and your love each and every day as we wait for your return. This we ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So last Monday, at our Monday evening worship service, I made a pretty big mistake. See, uh, during the beginning of my sermon, uh, I, uh, beginning of my sermon last week, I was talking about how excited I was uh, about the World Cup. And the reason I kind of want to share all this with you is so that you don't make the same mistake that I did. So in my sermon on Monday night, there had already been four games played. And one of them was, of course, the USA game, which took place Monday afternoon. And in my excitement, while I was preaching, I revealed the score of the game. What I didn't know was that one of our staff members who sings at the Monday night service hadn't watched the game yet, unlike me. So when I revealed the score, she went, no, wait, ah! And so after worship, of course, I profusely apologized. I felt bad, and eventually she forgave me. But I share all of that with you because I just want to say that I know games are happening all throughout the morning today and beyond the week. And I just want to say this for, for you and for me so you don't make the same mistake. No matter how tempted you might be, no matter how excited you might be, do not tell me any of the scores of the games that are happening. And I just say this, you know, thank you in advance. I appreciate that. However, uh, since I was watching the game last Monday afternoon, I wanted to share what that perspective was like for me, what my office looked like on that day. I mean, it was a beautiful sight to see. Uh, and even though the TV is a little more prominent, if you look lower, you can see my laptop there, and it looks different because I was doing work. I was multitasking. In fact, I was working on some worship planning for our Advent jazz services, which begin this Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Don't be late. And so while I was doing all this planning, uh, the, the reality is what you can't see in that photo is my plate of chicken wings and mac and cheese and apple pie that I got from the Thanksgiving priest for the preschool earlier in the day. And I had my computer charger, my phone charger, my headphones. I had everything that I needed for that moment. I was ready for that game in that time. And basically, uh, the one thing that is true about how I was ready for that moment is because I knew when the game was going to start. And my guess is, uh, maybe not related to the World Cup, but some of you have had that same experience as well. Like uh, when we have a Super Bowl party. Uh, you know what time the game starts, and so you are ready when that time comes. Maybe you get your crockpot going early in the morning. If you're inviting people over, you tell them the specific time in which they should arrive. So that when the game starts, you are right where you want to be. You are ready for everything to happen. In fact, I think this is true for many of us just over the last few days, right? That as family and friends gathered for Thanksgiving, uh, we found ourselves kind of focused in on one very central question. When are we going to eat? Right? This, this idea of when kind of guides and shapes our lives in a way that I don't think we're always aware of, and yet it's so important uh, that when we know when something is going to happen, it shapes our daily routines, and how we look forward to the future, how we plan for the days ahead. So what happens when you know something is going to happen? You can be sure of it. It's 100% guaranteed that something is going to happen, but you don't know when it will happen. How can you prepare for that? How can you be ready? 
These are the questions that, that Jesus answers for us when he begins to speak in Matthew's gospel today. And in fact, this is part of a larger conversation in Matthew chapter 24, one that we looked at uh, two weeks ago when you heard me talk about how Jesus was predicting uh, persecution, the crumbling of the temple, wars, and all different kinds of, of really bad stuff. All of this, what Jesus said then, what he's saying today, is all part of one larger conversation focused on one very specific event, the second coming of Jesus. And so what we see today is, is Jesus is speaking with such purpose that everything that Jesus says, he has a plan for his words and how he says it and why he says it the way he does. And so in order to better understand that, we have to first look back. See, because what Jesus is doing today is he's answering a question that the disciples asked him back at the beginning of Matthew chapter 24. Right after Jesus tells them that the temple will crumble, that the stones will fall, that not one stone will be left upon another, they ask Jesus this question. Tell us when this will be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and the end of the age. So all the disciples wanted to know was when. And it's not until after Jesus tells them about all the, the foreshadowing of the destruction of the temple, the persecution, the wars, the famine, everything that's going to come, he finally answers the question, when? That's what he does at this point in the passage that you just heard. In verse 36, Jesus answers the question, when? He says, but about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So my guess is this is not the answer that the disciples wanted, and certainly not the one that they were expecting. And I think we can all kind of understand how they were feeling, that when you ask the question when something is going to happen, I don't know is not a good enough answer, right? We want to know when it's going to happen. But the reason Jesus doesn't tell them when is because he wants us to focus on something different. See, while uh, we're so focused on when Jesus is going to return so that we can be ready for it, Jesus instead is inviting us to focus on what? As in, what will we do until he returns? Or another way to, to think about another question that we can ask ourselves is, what will we do while we're waiting for Jesus? And so in order to kind of answer that question, Jesus helps us out. In fact, he answers that question for us by taking us to a story that's very familiar, but all the way back, almost at the beginning of the Bible. See, uh, Jesus speaks deliberately here to, to paint this incredible picture of how Scripture is one connected story. And so he takes them back to a familiar story that they would have heard too, those disciples, all the way back to Noah. And he says these words, he says, In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his boat. Now at first when we hear these things, I think it's important to point out that none of these things are inherently sinful. Right, that Jesus isn't saying it's sinful to, to party or to celebrate weddings or any of those things. I mean, Jesus himself did those things with the people. So what Jesus is really pointing out here is that how those daily activities, how the people lived, was really what was impacting their lives. And this becomes a little clearer when you see how he finishes out his statement here. He says, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Right, so what Jesus is really driving at here is not the specific actions, but instead the overall perspective that the people had in life. That people were living as if uh, what they did did not have any impact on their daily lives or even any future implications for themselves. They were living kind of with a bit of a short-sighted perspective. 
They were just enjoying their day-to-day lives, not paying attention to what was going on around them. I mean, imagine what it must have been like to see a boat and not even question what's happening, right? Uh, If there was one word to describe how these people are feeling, the word that I came up with or the word that I thought about most was indifferent. The people were indifferent about their lifestyles, about what they were doing and how they were living. They knew about God, certainly because their descendants had told the stories. It had been passed on from generation to generation. They grew up learning about these things. They knew about the wonderful blessings that God had shown to their family and even to them. But it didn't change how they lived. They were so focused on the pleasure of their earthly lives that when the flood finally came, it took them by surprise. And I think uh, one of the things, one of the biggest challenges with indifference for me and for you today is that it often comes as a result of being bored with the things of God. Take just coming to church, for example, right? Uh, When you've been a follower for Jesus for most of your life, it seems like there comes a point where everything just feels the same. Where uh, perhaps if you've gone to the traditional services growing up, you could know the liturgy by closing your eyes. You you even know all the hymns. And and even during this time of year, we all know those kind of familiar Christmas songs that we sing. Right? You you know the order of service. You know what's coming next. Today we threw a a little switch up for you when we had that baptism. You were like, oh, invocation. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. What's going on here? Right? But you kind of have this order. You know what's coming. You're ready for it. And at a certain point, you just begin to feel like you don't want to do the same thing over and over and over again. And it gets tough because then you become indifferent to the work that God is doing in the midst of ordinary things. And the thing about it is, I don't think it's because you love Jesus any less, though I guess that is a possibility. I think what's really happening here is that there are so many other things in our lives that want all of our attention that want to to pull us away from different things, that when we get bored with the ordinary things of God, everything else around us begins to look extraordinary. And without even realizing it, you start to become indifferent to the extraordinary ways that God works in the midst of your ordinary life. But if you've ever felt that way before, or maybe you're feeling that way even now, I want you to know that God sees you that you are not alone in feeling that way, that Jesus knew you were going to feel that way. That when Jesus speaks today, what he's doing is warning me and you about these kinds of feelings, and he's teaching us how to guard against it, right? And he does this as he speaks in verse 42. He says, keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Keep awake, or as other translations say, uh, stay awake, be ready, keep watch, Jesus warns us about what can happen when we begin to feel indifferent, when we live as if his presence, his work, his promises, as if they don't really matter or they're not changing our lives. In fact, Jesus goes as far to say that when we live that way, when we get so indifferent, it's as if we are the owner of a home whose house gets robbed while they're asleep. And just consider that for a moment, right? Uh, if If you think about like TV shows and movies that you watch, whenever a house gets broken into, usually someone wakes up, and then the rest of the scene is filtered around how do they stop the robber from taking everything? How do they stop the thief from robbing them? And yet in this case, what Jesus is implying is that the people are, are in such a deep slumber, that they're in such a deep sleep, that they are so indifferent perhaps, that they don't even wake up while they're being robbed. 
It's not until after they've been wiped clean of everything, after their house is empty, that they finally realize it. And Jesus even goes as far to say that if you knew when it was going to happen, you would have been awake. You would have been ready. But we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Right? Jesus is very clear that no one knows, not even the Son. Only the Father knows. And yet, we do have one guarantee. We do have uh, one very specific promise from Jesus, one that, that we can hang on to, one that we know for sure is going to happen. Jesus is coming back. The same God who made the promise to Noah that he was going to watch over Noah and his family when the flood came is the same God who promises that he is sending Jesus back for me and for you. And so when Jesus speaks, he is warning us about the seriousness of sin. Jesus is, is warning us about how, how sin can separate us, how we turn away from God and become indifferent to the work that God does in our lives. It's almost as if uh, we, we begin to see that what Jesus is kind of pointing out for us is that when we become bored with the things of God, we become vulnerable in difficult times. But Jesus doesn't want that for us. See, because not only does he warn us, Jesus tells us then how to respond, what we can do instead. Jesus wants us to be aware so that we can take on whatever is coming knowing that he is with us. Because Jesus wants us to be ready for his return. Jesus wants us to be hoping for his return. He wants us to be excited and ready to celebrate for the day that he comes back. See, so when Jesus speaks today, his purpose is not only to warn us, but it's to teach us what we can do while we wait. Jesus wants each and every one of us to, to live a life with present impact and future significance. So what does that look like, though, right? What does it look like to, to be ready or to be prepared? This is the question that Jesus invites us to ask as we begin the season of Advent. And it's fitting that it comes as we begin Advent, because Advent is a season of waiting. On the one hand, of course, Advent is the season in which we are waiting for the Christmas celebration, the birth of Jesus, his first coming into the world. And at the same time, Advent is also about how we are waiting for his second coming, how we are waiting for his return once and for all waiting for Jesus to come back so that we can be united together with all those who believe, all those who have died in the faith, and together with him once and for all. So as you find yourself waiting for Jesus this Advent, I want to invite you to do two things in order to kind of be ready, to, to stay ready, to stay prepared. The first one is to say this very simple prayer. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. You might be surprised at how saying those words every single day, how constantly causing yourself to think about the return of Jesus will cause you to think about what it's going to be like when he actually comes back. And at the same time, that simple prayer reminds you that right now, everything that you do matters. That right now, Jesus is working to transform your life, to remind you of what it's going to be like when he comes back. And the second thing that you can do is talk to someone about it. Uh, talk to someone about Jesus coming back. And I know that might sound a little bit weird, and uh, my personal advice would be don't start off with the wars and the persecution and all that stuff. Uh, maybe, you know, kind of shift your focus. Uh, we didn't give you all building blocks, but I think you can figure out what to say. Right, but just for a moment, think about what it would be like to ask someone, hey, what do you think it's going to be like when Jesus comes back? 
See, because we have all throughout Scripture, we're told what that day is going to be like. We're told that, that all of heaven will rejoice, that all the saints will sing, that, that bodies and souls will be united, that the trumpets will sound. Right, that this is a day that we're waiting for. There will be no more pain, no more fear, no more death. When Jesus comes back, everything will be all good once and for all. And today we are closer than we have ever been before. See, as we prepare for the beauty of this Advent season, we find ourselves waiting. And waiting is one thing that I think we can all agree on can be really hard. With Christmas quickly approaching, Jesus gives us a moment here to take it all in. He wants us to constantly be ready. To be ready to to live a life with present impact and and future implications. To be ready to trust in his promises, his actions, and in his words. To be ready to live in light of eternity. And this morning... Jesus invites us to see him as the God who keeps his promises. The God who kept his promises to Noah and his family, and those same promises of the promises that he makes to me and to you, that he is coming back for us. And every day until then, he'll transform our lives. The reality is, we don't know when that day is going to come. But we hold on to those promises as they transform us now, and we cling to them so tightly. Because when Jesus finally returns, we will be finished waiting for Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.